Welcome to Chasing the Yield. This is Kevin Bay. This is episode number 48 for April 11th, 2022. And I know it's April 12th, but you'd think I'd get better at this over time, but I don't. It is what it is. You have to deal with it. And uh, perhaps that's why donations are severely hampered. (laughs) It might help if I do this on a regular basis, but I I don't really do this for anybody else other than myself anyway. I I blog uh, my portfolios to help me keep track of things, to try to figure out what I'm doing. Uh, It's really just kind of a stream of consciousness about um, my own personal investment. So it is what it is. And that's a coffee. All right, so I think I start out every episode like that with a big so. Uh, what happened was, let's see, BP, BP, um, the gigantic petroleum company, they completed their acquisition of BP Midstream Partners into their fold. And as such, the the dividend yield went down from something like 8% to 4 point something. So 4 point something is still fine. And, uh, you know, it, it would be, it would work out fine if it was in my um, low or medium yield portfolio. But this was in my high yield portfolio where I'm trying to keep uh, the dividend yield to around 8% or higher. And so I, I choose things are that are you know, a little more risky. It's a, it's a smaller portfolio, so I can afford to take a little bit more risk with that. And what I did was, is after they did that, um, after they completed their acquisition, and my all my shares converted to BP instead of BP Midstream Partners, I sold out of BP, and then I um, put that money back into the high-yield portfolio into um i think it was, let's see here four into four different holdings that i already have so i increased my holdings of necessity retail uh the reit symbol rtl slr investment corporation uh the symbol slrc s is in sam office properties income trust that symbol is o p is in paul i and arbor realty trust uh symbol a b is in boy r and the reason I did that, it was able to keep that portfolio elevated above the 8% uh, yield level, which I'm shooting for. Um, and the income off of that portfolio, somewhere around, let me see, what is that one? Uh, the income, annual income from that is $16,500 roughly. Uh, the dividend yield is up at around 8.02%. It's a little bit lower. It was at 8.08, but because uh, the market has gone up and the value of the stocks have, have has gone up, so when stock price goes up, dividend yield looks like it's going down. Uh, so let's see. So I sold out of that. And I think I'm sitting comfortably there. Hopefully, I know the inflation numbers came out today, and it was something, some kind of crazy number again. 
uh, we all keep waiting for that to to go down 8.5% in March as oil prices soared. And one thing that's working out true that in my research prior to doing dividend uh, investing, investing for income with dividends, is that it is a, a protection against inflation. That um, usually, as as inf- at least this this is what I learned um, reading all this stuff about this. I you know, and I'm, I guess it's just one giant experiment for me. What seems to be happening is the my income remains fairly steady as you know the stock price goes up or down and if you choose the correct um companies for your dividends um they also increase you know not not all the companies raise their dividends by a percentage you know every year or every quarter or whatever um but some of them do so if you plan it out right, um, your portfolios can rise, you know, will inflate along with inflation. Uh, for instance, in my low-yield portfolio, the dividend yield percentage on that one is 3.13%. But the growth over the last five years on average has been 5.5%. And since those dividends get reinvested into it's an IRA so the dividends get reinvested into that portfolio the growth you know is over 8% per year in my um medium yield portfolio the dividend yield there is 5.51% and the dividend growth for that one also on average across the last 5 years is 5.5% so if i don't take out the dividends from that for income which i do um, that one would also projected to grow, you know, roughly eleven percent per year. Of course, there's no guarantee, but that's just, you know, for academic sake, that that that's the what could possibly happen. Now, my high yield portfolio, that one, the dividend yield is over eight percent, but the growth on that one over the last five years is only around one percent because I'm looking to get mostly income out of that. Um, I'm not looking for dividend growth necessarily out of that one. I'm just looking for straight up income. So, you know, all, all be told it, it, it brings in about $10,000 a year less than my medium yield portfolio, but it's only half the size. So that's, you know, generally the, the, the thing that I'm going for in news that has happened over the last week. Uh, The oil executives were called in front of Congress and they rejected the claims that they are merely profiteering. And, you know, in my opinion, that the unfriendly regulations that happened immediately after uh, President Biden was elected contributed to this perfect storm of inflationary pressures by printing trillions of dollars. You add to that the um, 
rising cost of everything because nobody is working and government is pumping tons of money. So you have too much money going after too few goods. And then the restriction on the production of oil, so energy prices go up. When energy prices go up, the price of everything goes up. And the, you know, conflict between Russia and Ukraine obviously didn't have uh, a positive effect on all of our pockets. You know, uh, but that is not the sole reason for the high prices, high energy prices and such. If you look back before the, the Russia-Ukraine conflict, the price of a gallon of gasoline was already over a dollar higher than it was the year prior. And this is before the invasion. So the prices were already going up. And it was only going to continue going up because wages were, were rising at the same time. So we're, we're, we're starting to get into this vicious cycle of the cost of production going up, cost of labor going up, cost of energy going up. And as a result, the cost to the consumer is going up. If President Biden moves forward with also a heavy uh, tax regime against corporations, that's going to raise prices to consumers. Corporations and companies don't pay tax. Um, they, that gets passed on to you and me. So don't expect any relief anytime soon. Um, in the Wall Street Journal, they were reporting on this um, testimony before Congress. And Chevron leader Michael Wirth and Richard Muncrief, chief executive officer of one of the largest independent U.S. producers, Devon Energy Corp., said their companies are already responding with new investment and boosting output. But Pioneer Natural Resources uh, CEO Scott Sheffield said it could be as much as two years before such investments could lead to enough supply to material bring down prices, materially bring down prices. The industry is experiencing severe cost inflation, a labor shortage due to three downturns in 12 years, shortages of drilling rigs, frack fleets, frack sand, steel pipe, and other equipment and materials, and the need for pipelines and LNG facilities, Mr. Sheffield said. Um, Exxon is already exiting from Russian supplies, and they're removing 230,000 barrels of oil a day from the market. That's not going to help. Uh, the Exxon CEO said, and let's see, as reported also in the Wall Street Journal, Exxon CEO Darren Wood said in remarks prepared for the hearing that the fear of losing Russian supply has fed price increases. He said his company has started to exit from oil and gas project that runs on the Sakhalin Island in Russia's far east. On Sakhalin Island. Uh, hopefully that's correct. Uh, so they've been ex exiting that in response to Russia's attack on Ukraine and that the company will make no further investments in Russia. Closing that venture would remove nearly 230,000 barrels of, uh, a day of global oil supplies and about 3% of the company's overall oil production, the Wall Street Journal has previously reported. Russia provides roughly 10% of the oil needed to meet global demand and about 30% of Europe's natural gas demand, Mr. Wood said. Unfortunately, there's no quick fix, but in the near term, the answer is straightforward. If we want to reduce prices, we need to increase supply. And 
I have a link to the YouTube video for all six hours plus of that hearing. And if you want, you can go ahead and bore yourself to tears with that. Uh, consumer staples are getting squeezed by inflation. Uh, another story in the Wall Street Journal. Procter & Gamble, Clorox, Kraft Heinz, and other consumer products uh, giants have made a bet that consumers will pay uh, up for household products even as inflation takes hold. Over the past year, the companies have seen profits and market share grow as they've raised prices on products from detergent and diapers to snacks and soda. Now, consumers hit by soaring costs for everything from gasoline to child care are drawing a line, analysts and retailers say. Shoppers are buying staples in smaller quantities, switching to cheaper store name brands, and more rigorously hunting for deals. The shift is especially pronounced among lower-income consumers who splurged on household products amid the heights of the pandemic. They say, uh, private label brands, after two years in which they lost market share to brand names, have begun to lure back buyers. In the three-week period ended March 13th, edible private label brands increased share slightly and non-edible store brands held steady, according to data from research uh, firm IRI. I don't know who IRI is. <clears throat> I know for myself... Uh, you know, because I'm living strictly off of my dividends and retirement savings. And yeah, for sure, we look for bargain prices. You know, we look for meat that's on sale. You know, when it's on sale, we go and buy more. You know, we have a separate freezer just for meat. So that way we don't run out and we don't, we aren't pressured to buy uh, those types of things when prices are higher. Uh, for example, we bought like a hundred and... Uh, 40 some odd dollars worth of meat the other day, but because all of it was on sale, the average price per pound, this is for uh, beef and pork, uh, was somewhere around three, a little over $3 per pound. And it, we weren't buying, um, you know, hamburger. We were buying um, pork shoulder. We were buying uh, brisket. Um, we were buying also... Um, Stand up uh, rib roast, beef rib roasts, which, you know, I, I take the bones out and we use those for something else. And then I use the ribeye section, you know, I cut those in the steaks. So, um, you know, at three, a little over $3 a pound, you know, we have weeks, literally, it's just two of us. We have weeks of, of meat just off of that one purchase alone. You know, so then we'll, we'll, go back to the store and supplement, you know, just by buying some vegetables. And usually those two will, will get them on sale. So everybody is feeling the squeeze. And Shell, Shell expects to take a $5 billion hit when they pull out of Russia. A uh, story in the Wall Street Journal, the London-based oil major provided the guidance Thursday ahead of quarterly earnings scheduled for May 5th. The disclosure gives investors additional clues about the impact Western companies face as a result of moves to divorce themselves from Russia. Shell said on February 28th that it would end its involvement in financing the Nord Stream 2 natural gas pipeline. Shell also said it would exit uh, its 27.5% stake in a major offshore gas project in Russia's far east that is 50% owned by Gazprom and supplies around 4% of the world's liquefied natural gas market. The company said that at the time that the value of its non-current assets tied to its Russian ventures was about $3 billion. The range of expected charges Shell provided Thursday 
Uh, $4 billion to $5 billion also includes other estimated knock-on impacts of quitting its Russian operations. These include the possibility of unpaid contracts and other credit losses. So the, the crap is still hitting the fan when it comes to Russia, Ukraine, oil, and everything else. Um, I meant to prepare something, <laughs> um, and I just couldn't, I didn't have the time which you would think I would being a retired person, but I've been working, trying to fix up this house that we moved into a year ago, and I've been working on the backyard. So uh, the time just doesn't present itself when I get back inside to, to put something together. But I wanted to highlight a company that I bought roughly about 10 months ago, and it's in my high-yield portfolio, and I plunked a good chunk, uh, you know, about $20,000 into it. It's Cross America Partners. They are an oil and gas transportation and storage company. Uh, they engage in the wholesale distribution of motor fuels, operation of convenience stores, and ownership and leasing of real estate used in the retail distribution of mo motor fuels in the United States. Uh, it operates in two segments, wholesale and retail. The wholesale segment engages in the wholesale distribution of motor fuels to lessee dealers, independent dealers, commission agents, and company-operated retail sites. The retail segment is involved in the sale of convenience merchandise items and retail sale of motor fuels at company-operated retail sites and retail sites operated by commission agents. So you may have seen these places as you drive across the country on your road trips. Um, when I purchased this about 10 months ago, um, I went in at about $19.34 a share. Today it is at $22.72. It's down 1.9% today, but still overall I am up about 17.5% just on the stock price alone. Uh, add to that the annual income they produce. Their dividend yield um, is around 19.2%. At the time when I was preparing the blog post, it was... Um, 9.19%, and today, right now, because the price has dropped, it's at 9.24%. So the yield is high. Uh, the share price is pretty cheap. But again, this is in the high-yield portfolio, so it is a more risky portfolio looking to pull income out of that. So over the last 10 months, um, at least if I were to sell it today, it would have provided me, I've, I've received three dividend payments from them, uh, so roughly around $1,600. The gain on the stock right now is at 37 You know, so it's a pretty tidy um, um, tidy profit if I were to sell it out today. Uh, roughly some, somewhere around 20, 20 some odd percent um, gain on that. So it's just a company that I think maybe you might want to look at. It is rated as borderline safe by Simply Safe Dividends, which means that, uh, you know, there's a possibility that within the next economic cycle, full economic year, that they could reduce their dividend. Um, so I'm, I'm taking that risk that if they do reduce their dividend, it won't be reduced by much. Um, you know, it could go down, but... Um, you know, if they stay somewhere within the seven plus percent range, you know, I can continue to hold on to it. And you can see all these numbers here. Um, and I've got a little chart over three years of where their stock price has gone. 
Uh, so you can check that out on the website. Uh, portfolio update. Uh, I added back the number on the chart on the um, a little grid that I have on the website to represent the low, medium, high yield portfolios, uh, their performance stock price wise, at least since inception. Um, although the, the low yield not only includes the stock price, also includes the dividend reinvestments where the medium and the high yield, those are really just the, the stock prices, uh, stock price value because uh, I pull those dividends out. So they don't contribute to the rise or fall of the portfolio. Uh, so in the low yield portfolio, last week was up 2.92%. And for the month, because it's only one week, also up 2.92%. For the year, it's down 0.73%. But since inception, uh, which is, I started that one in 2015, uh, it's up 39.86%. The My medium yield portfolio was down 0.81% for the week and the month so far, and for the year it's up 0.28%, and since inception in 2019, it is up 9.51%. The high yield portfolio, which I started in 2021, uh, last week it was down 1.07% for the week and the month, and up this year uh, so far 7.39%. And since inception, it is up 0.73%. So roughly flat, but that's fine. If it stays, um, you know, if, if the stock uh, value doesn't appreciate a great deal, that one I'm fine with because I'm just looking to pull out the income from that. Now, for the total of all three portfolios, for the week and the month, they were up 0.5%. And since 2022, for the year, I'm sorry, for 2022, it's up 1.21%. Now, this is the total of all three. And since inception, when you average them across, um, all three of them combined are up 19%. So the total portfolio uh, is performing pretty well, and I feel pretty comfortable with it. Uh, dividends received this week out of the IRA that get reinvested. Kimberly Clark, $43.61. Main Street Capital, $23.34. And South Jersey Industries, uh, $70.11. Uh, right into my pocket goes Kimberly Clark. Uh, that one was $76.56. In dividend events, Plains GP Holdings announced its next dividend of 21 and three quarter cents per share, a 21% increase over their previous payout of only 18 cents. The next three are all in line with their previous payouts. Uh, Pembina Pipeline, their next dividend of 21 Canadian cents per share. Pimco Income Fund, their next dividend of 0.03, uh, see, 3.903 cents per share. Necessity Retail, their next dividend of 21 and a quarter cents per share. Reminder that this is a podcasting 2.0 compatible podcast. That means if you're listening to this on a podcasting 2.0 compatible app, you'll have access to transcripts, chapters, and chapter images that accompany each episodes. Each episodes. Each episode. Go to newpodcastapps.com to check out some new independent apps, uh, more modern than your average iPhone, Google, Spotify app. And go to podcastindex.org to support podcasting 2.0 and the work that they are doing there. Uh, let's see. 
I lost track of where I was. I am not a registered investment advisor, broker, or dealer. I may have positions in any financial instrument, product, or company mentioned on the website or on the podcast. Information provided on the website or the podcast is provided for information and entertainment purposes only and are not intended as advice or recommendation or an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or financial instrument. All opinions are based upon sources believed to be accurate and are provided in good faith. No warranty, representation, or guarantee uh, expressed or implied is made as to the accuracy of the information. Contact an investment professional if you have any questions regarding any in, uh, regarding an investment. Regarding any investment. Well, what did I do here? I ins- uh, On my show notes page, I in- inserted extra stuff that doesn't belong. Uh, if you need to contact me, you can reach me at uh, mail, M-A-I-L, at chasingtheyield.com. And on the website, there's also links to tw- uh, Twitter and Facebook. There's a big red donate button on the page and on the website. So if you feel like uh, sending a few uh, bucks my way, if you got uh, anything out of this podcast. Um, also, if you're using one of the new podcast apps that um, is value for value enabled, uh, you will be able to stream Bitcoin micropayments to me as you listen and send a uh, bonus if there was anything that you that you liked. But that's it for this week. I'll try to be more, I, I say it all the time, but it never happens, does it? I'll try to be more professional and put together an actual uh, company uh, profile on another company that uh, that's performed well. Um, but that's it for this week, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.